Michael Jordan is looking to sell his NBA team. And admit it, half of you didn't know that Michael Jordan owns an NBA team. It's Monday, March 20th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Michael Jordan, the best or second best basketball player to ever play, depending on who you ask, is in serious talks to sell his majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets. ESPN first reported the news and others have since confirmed it. Jordan is currently the NBA's only black majority owner. He would still hold on to a minority stake. The likely buyer is a group led by Hornets minority owner Gabe Plotkin and Atlanta Hawks minority owner Rick Schnall. Those two would become co-governors of the franchise. Jordan sold a minority stake to Plotkin and Daniel Sundheim in 2020, and Sundheim is also part of the group looking to buy a majority stake. All of these guys are in the investment world. Schnall is a partner at the private equity firm Clayton, Dubelier, and Rice. Sundheim is the founder and chief investment officer of the hedge fund D1 Capital, and Plotkin founded Melvin Capital. Side note. Some of you may be thinking, Melvin Capital, where have I heard that name before? Now to a wild ride on Wall Street. So here's how it goes. Shares of the video game retailer GameStop have suddenly become a white-hot, must-own, skyrocketing over the last... Melvin Capital, which was until recently a very successful hedge fund, delivering impressive returns to its investors, was destroyed by a Reddit forum. I'm not joking. Remember early 2021 when people started doing crazy things with their money? NFTs got huge, the collectibles market went crazy, people were dumping money into SPACs, and a group of retail investors organized on the subreddit Wall Street Bets decided to screw over some short sellers by artificially pumping up the stock price of GameStop. Melvin Capital had made a huge bet that GameStop's stock would tank, which seemed like a safe bet because it looked like they were going out of business. But then the Redditors rallied around it and sent GameStop stock from $4.42 on January 8th, 2021 to $81.25 three weeks later. Melvin Capital never recovered, and Plotkin said in May 2022 that he was winding down the firm. In August, we learned that the SEC is investigating whether Plotkin and other executives misled investors as they were trying to pull out of their GameStop tailspin. But apparently, he still has enough in the bank to buy an NBA team. Back to Jordan. Mike bought the Hornets in March 2010 for $275 million, so his first real season as owner was 2010-2011. The team wasn't good then, but for Charlotte basketball fans, that must have felt like the start of a new era. To back up even further, from 1996-97 to 2001-2002, the Hornets were good. Not great, but they did make the playoffs five of those six years and went around three of those five times. And then they left. The owner at the time, George Shin, packed them up and brought them to New Orleans. They kept the Hornets' name for a while, so when a new franchise started up in Charlotte three years later, they were called the Charlotte Bobcats, which is the name they had when the living legend took the helm. The New Orleans Hornets later became the Pelicans, and the Bobcats took the Hornets' name. If you watch The Last Dance, you know Jordan's competitive drive is somewhere between enormous and pathological. Michael Jordan's the only player that could ever turn it on and off, and he never freaking turned it off. He still holds grudges from perceived slights three decades ago. I mean, his Hall of Fame speech included a long section about the people that doubted him and how determined he was to show them they were wrong. You know, Jerry Krause is right there, and Jerry's not here. Obviously, I don't, you know, I don't know who inv- invited him. I didn't, but uh, uh, I hope he understands. Even after six championships, the story of Jordan's career to Jordan is still about proving people wrong. So he takes over prior to the 2010-2011 season, which was a forgettable year. They went 34-48, and 48, but one can't remake a franchise in a single year. The following year, the team set a record for the worst season in NBA history. In a lockout-shortened season, they won seven games and lost 59. 
But you can only go up from there, right? They improved over the next two years and made the playoffs in 2013-2014, lost in the first round, followed that with a meh season, made the playoffs again in 2015-2016, lost in the first round again, and that was it. Under Jordan, they have had three winning seasons, made the playoffs twice, and won zero playoff series. They have probably been the least successful NBA franchise over that span. And maybe there are reasons, psychological or otherwise, that being such a legendary player introduces challenges around being an owner. I don't know. There are too many variables for me to judge Jordan's performance from a distance, especially because team internals can be something of a black box. But you basically cannot have a stronger contrast between success as a player and success as an owner than Michael Jordan has had. One more thing on this. The Hornets are once again bad this year. They have the fourth worst record in the NBA, which means they have a real shot at the top overall pick in the NBA draft, also known as Victor Wembanyama. People are saying Wembanyama is the best NBA prospect since LeBron James. The fact that Jordan is moving on as majority owner before he finds out if he wins that sweepstakes shows that he's truly ready to hand over the reins. And the fact that he'll reportedly maintain a minority stake shows that he still can't truly quit the NBA. Let's take a look at what else is going on out there. At least three states are making moves toward legalizing sports betting. Vermont had a bill to do so pass out of its House Ways and Means Committee 11 to 1. It's just a committee vote, but the near-unanimous vote is a reason for optimism that it will eventually become law. North Carolina introduced a legalization bill, and Georgia performed an incredible feat of legislative gymnastics. After a previous bill that would have legalized sports betting failed, someone amended a different bill, whose initial purpose was to designate an official soapbox derby into a completely different bill to legalize sports betting. And that bill also just passed the Senate committee 8 to 1. I'm not sure where that leaves the status of the soapbox derby, but I'm sure the soapbox lobbyists won't stand for these shenanigans. And James Dolan, owner of the New York Knicks and Rangers, hired a private investigator to follow a New York State Liquor Authority investigator named Charles Straval because the State Liquor Authority is considering removing the liquor license at Madison Square Garden because Dolan uses facial recognition technology to deny lawyers at law firms in active litigation against MSG from entering his venues. So just remember that the next time you hear someone say that wealth somehow correlates with wisdom and maturity. Up next, I got to speak with former MLB catcher AJ Pruszynski. AJ has a new show along with Adam Jones, who we had on the podcast recently, Todd Frazier and Eric Kratz. They interview MLB players in chat and have a good time. The show is called Foul Territory and the interview is coming right after this. Two thousand, two thousand eight, twenty twenty two. When it comes to the economy, those are some scary years. Dot com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now. One thing is certain: it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers. But over thirty one thousand businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on Netsuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. Netsuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting, so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. So, how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, Netsuite. Netsuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improve their visibility and control when they upgraded to Netsuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash frontoffice right now. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. 
All right, I am joined by former MLB catcher and host of Foul Territory, AJ Przinsky. Welcome, AJ. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, looking forward to talking to you and talking a little Foul Territory. Yeah, absolutely. So the show, it's you, Adam Jones, Todd Frazier, and Eric Kratz, uh, and Scott Braun. Um, yeah, don't forget him, because he'll get mad and he'll like, you know, might start <laughs> crying or grab me with his giant biceps and take me down. All right, yeah, yeah. I can't look him up on fan graphs, so, you know, it, it takes me a moment to, you know, remember there's another guy in there. That's why, um, he's, that's why he's beneath me, right? Because I'm on like exactly. fan graphs and he's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, maybe we should put them in like the middle of the list. So it's like you're all you're all in group uh, and you are now all in group. So, yeah. Tell me about the show. Why'd you start it? And uh, what's it all about? Uh, so we started this show. Uh, it's been in talks for about a year now. Uh, Scott and I met kind of randomly and uh, he's like, I got this idea and I want to do it. Do you think you'd be a part of it? And I'd be like, yeah, that's something I'd love to be a part of. And mainly just to get players in. We've had other people on besides players, managers. We had our first manager, John Schneider, the Blue Jays on today. We've had a lot of writer, writers, baseball writers on. It's just about getting people involved in baseball on a show that they can be themselves and they can talk about whatever they want to talk about and get their story out there and get people to know them more than just the same five questions that I'm sure when you turn on an interview on on whatever network, it's usually the same five questions. And it's, you know, how do you feel? How's your arm? You know, da -da, what's your favorite stadium? Whatever it is, like, it's always the same question. So this is dig a little bit deeper. And plus, since we're, you know, you on YouTube and Twitch and Spotify and Apple, uh, you get more time. So you don't, there's no commercial breaks. There's no like, oh, we got to run because there's a hard break coming up. It's just kind of go and and be yourself and do what you want to do and, and, and go from there. And it's, it's been great because the, the, the people we've had on, um, just talk and, you know, you get guys to talk for 30, 40 minutes, who knows what they're going to say. And, uh, it's just about having fun with these, these people involved in baseball, but mainly players. Yeah. And, and what are the kinds of things that, that you can get out of a player when you're just getting to know them? Well, like Carlos Correa, we had him on probably our second show. He went 50 minutes and he could have talked for two hours. Right. But his thing was, he was telling me about how he used analytics and how he used uh, to, to improve himself, to win a gold glove and then to win a platinum glove and what he's going to use this year to try to win the MVP and how he like crazy things. Like he only wears one pair of shoes because this off season he had an ankle problem. And this is the only pair of shoes he could find that didn't hurt when he walked around for hours. Like Corbin Burns taught us how he throws his cutter, which is his best pitch yesterday. Uh, you know, Whit Merrifield was on there showing off his biceps. Like it's just, it's just more fun things of, of, of guys enjoying their time and just being themselves. And so how did you link up with uh, with Frazier, um, with Kratz, and, and Adam Jones? How, how did that group come together? Well, this was a, a Scott Braun production and some other people behind the, the scenes. Uh, they had they had Frazier, they had Kratz uh, kind of, I don't want to say lined up, but they had an idea of who they wanted to get on. And then Adam Jones was in that mix also. So it, it makes it better when you have more than just like, let's say Scott and I or Kratz and Scott or whoever, because like, I'll be honest, like I don't want to work every day. So I need like some time off so I can take the day off. And we, tomorrow we have Adam Jones coming on to, to fill in for me and Frazier who's on vacation. Uh, you know, and Kratz is there every day, which is great. Uh, but it's just, it works out because guys love to talk baseball. Guys love to talk to current players and, and people in the game. And we have good minds, intelligent people that are entertaining and, and can talk about whatever. Since you mentioned it, how are you enjoying uh, post-baseball life? Well, I mean, it's great for me. I, you know, post baseball is 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 kind of a trick question or a trick statement for me because 
I mean, I'm still doing the Fox broadcasting on Saturdays and, and doing that. So I've never really got out of baseball. I, when I my last year playing was 16, and then in 17 I started calling games for Fox. So there was no like, oh man, you, you, do you miss it? I'm I'm like I'm still in it. So it's this is just kind of a continuation of a of a sport and a and a job that's been has been outstanding for me and a dream come true. And I get to talk baseball every day. Um, and while we're talking baseball, um, so we got some new rules coming in to MLB. I'm sure you've, you've had a lot to say on this already, but you know, you were a catcher that this would be, um, you know, these rules would be pretty interesting for a catcher. You've got to be aware of the pitch clock. You also have to be more aware of uh, base dealers because that's probably going to be a big, much bigger part of the game. Uh, how do you feel about, you know, MLB tinkering with, with what they got? Well, I, I think rule changes are good sometimes as long as they're done the right way. I think the the base is okay. Yeah, let's. I'm all for more action, right? So if you're going to get more steals, more movement on the bases, I'm all for it. Uh, the pitch clock, I think, is a shouldn't have been just kind of thrown in there. I think it needed to be maybe experimented. I think the time is short, and I just hope that there's a feel by the umpires. You get in deep into games, and you're in the ninth inning. You got a closer out there. The base is loaded, two outs. Oh gosh, I got to rush. You know, to get this pitch in, or they're going to call ball four. And the hitter's like, I want to rush. Well, no, we want to see the best of these guys and. These guys need to take a deep breath, think about what's happening. So I hope there's a little bit of feel, not only by the umpires, but by Major League Baseball and say, okay, it's the bottom of the ninth in the World Series, game seven. Let's not rush this thing. Let's let the drama play out naturally. Yeah, I mean, there will be that balance of like, now there there's a metronome. And like right now, I haven't heard of anything. I've heard people suggest that, you know, maybe we turn it off in the ninth inning or something like that. Um, or, you know, maybe the, the umpire has a little more discretion. But right now, you can see in spring training, they are really like... Um, you know, enforcing that rule to the letter. Like if the if the batter is in the box but not set in eight seconds left, that's a strike. So. Well, yeah. I, listen, there also you have to understand umpires when new rules come through, they enforce them heavily to get everybody on the same page. And then as the year goes on and time passes, they ease up a little bit because people become used to it. So it'll change, but I understand what umpires are doing. I just hope that we have feel as baseball people and do it right and do it properly. Yeah. Yeah. It should be super interesting to see. Um, I can get your, your thoughts just on, on Rob Manfred as a commissioner and this kind of current regime of, of baseball. It's, you know, it's a little different from, um, from what you had as a player. Um, and there's, you know, there's been contentious labor negotiations. Um, does, does it all kind of feel like same old baseball or, or does it feel kind of different? Uh, you're trying to get me in trouble. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was never. I was fortunate that I my career kind of was in the the sweet spot for no work stoppages. We came close a couple of times, but never had one. And then recently, we just had one last year. So, I think I think Rob, the commissioner, he does a good job. I think he's got a million people kind of telling him what to do. Um, I think there's some things he misses on. I think, and I've talked to him before, and I think he understands that. I think we need to both do a better job, whether it's the the, the player association or the commissioner, of listening to each other. And, and, and having real conversations. The problem I feel like is both sides, they only communicate when something arises, right? Like let's let's do this jointly and let's talk about things all the time and try to make the game better. Cause it's the greatest game for me that I, you know, to play and to watch and there's so much that happens. So I, I think that there just needs to be better communication from both sides. And it's hard because there's hard feelings after labor negotiations, but I think they can do it. And I think Manfred's doing the best he can, but again, like let's get better communication. Um, hopping back to your show, um, who's someone who you've talked to where, you know, maybe you didn't really know what to expect going in, but, you know, was, was this kind of fascinating interview? Well, for me, it was Correa. Um, I, I never, I've 
talked to him a little bit doing some Astros games over the years, but I've never really gotten the time. Again, you get three minutes, five minutes with a guy and you ask quick questions. How you feeling? Da, 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 you know, how's it going? How, you know, playoffs, you know, whatever. Uh, but we got, like I said, we got 50 minutes with him and the way he talked and what he talked about. And for people out there that haven't seen it and you have a child that plays sports or a child that wants to play sports and get to the next higher levels, what he talks about with his daily routine, how he prepares his body, how he prepares his mind is something that I really believe that every single person should kind of listen to uh, because it will help you. I think it'll help you in life, like what he says and, you know, just listen, as a base, former baseball player to hear what he says was like, I don't put anything bad in my body because I play for, I have a short window to play. When I'm retired, I can eat whatever I want. But for these 10 to 15 years, I'm going to eat good and I'm going to do the things right. It's interesting. And then he gets into analytics and this whole deal. So just the way his mind works and how smart of a guy he was, was, was it was very intriguing. Very cool. And to wrap us up here, uh, just what's one thing you're looking forward to with the coming season? Uh, I'm looking forward to just baseball being on TV every day. I get, I get a little restless in the off season when I, you know, when there's a game, I know if there's baseball season, I can turn on a game pretty much every day and find one and sit down and watch it and, and, and just enjoy it. Um, heck right now I'm, I, I don't really watch spring training, but I can at least turn on college games. So I'm just really excited about being able to watch baseball, see and see the storylines play out. If the teams are supposed to be good, if they're good, who's going to be the sleeper team. And I'm also interested, like we already talked about, seeing how these new rule changes affect the action in baseball. Because I want the ball in play. I want guys running. I don't just want to see home runs and strikeouts. I want to see I want to see action. Yeah, very cool. AJ Prasinski, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, Owen. I appreciate it. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Shoot us a message at today at frontofficesports.com, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>